0: Mike, check one two one two. This is your boy, better yet, your man, Kyle Means, Editorial director, of we are Eagle radio.com, war media, the whole shebang and bang. And uh, once again, I'm on the line with a very dear friend of mine, a great guest always on war programming. And- a, a member of the War family, as as it, as it were. You know, we call him alumni, you know, because before he was Mr. Big Shot, <laughs> doing his thing, breaking scoops and everything, living up to the name. You know, he was just humbly giving in some, some playoff reports with us back in 13, when the Bulls and the Nets were doing it in the first round. But uh, you know he's come a long way since then, and we all have. But uh, it's been great to see Brandon Robinson, aka B, become a, a, a constant standard in the in the NBA focused media. And uh, you know at this somehow, you know he this isn't his debut on War on Anchor. You know you actually, hopefully you've been following us well enough to know that he's already been on our air. Uh, You know, as since we moved over to anchor, you know, he's been on with uh with uh Josh Hicks on the uh, the uh, the Scope podcast. But this is something I kind of had in mind to do for a while, just just to holler at my man Scoop, like like we do, you know, in our personal time. Every now and then, we talk to each other on the phone and stuff. So I figured, you know, why not record it every now and then and uh. You know, our little sessions. And, uh, you know, Brandon, I'm glad to have you on, like I said. And, uh, you know, it, it's in particular, I wanted to get you on this week because a couple of stories have broken that you have ties to. And uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting just to get your word on these things. You know, first off, you know, how you first off, how you doing, bro? You, you know, you said you've been working. I know you're always working on something you know what, what's been going on like
1: uh well first of all thanks for having me as always been always good to talk to family we've been rocking since 2012 uh, onward and upward um i'm doing all right just got back a couple days ago uh, from a, a trip from la to ohio to oklahoma uh on various trips uh, yeah, i was with Shaq last week interviewing him for the podcast uh Scooby Radio and in addition to that was speaking at Ohio University and then with, with Russell Westbrook out local. Uh, of course he's now a member of the Houston Rockets, was traded so been busy playing catch up and I'm actually writing a story now uh, as we're talking. Uh, texting back and forth with uh, former net Kenny Anderson. We talked about uh, we we texting about uh, basically what it means for Kevin Durant to be wearing his number seven uh, which he wore during the New Jersey Nets days, and uh, you know Joe Johnson was a guy that actually
0: wore number seven as well during his time of Brooklyn. So it's tying up loose ends, making some things happen, and, you know, that's where we are. How are you? Yeah, hey, I'm good, man. Just grinding as usual, you know, uh, with the site and everything. We've been putting out some, you know, continuing to try to put out good content, timely content. And, uh, you know, just keep, just keep on building, man, enjoying this summertime shine, man. I thought you was going to be with me for a little bit uh last week but I, you know i guess we just got our signals crossed a little bit but you know, it's, it's gonna be a real crazy weekend this this coming weekend uh for one it looks like you know for one it looks like uh hell is gonna be coming to chicago with the- <laughs> as it is but you know if, if the devil himself don't come then everybody else will because there's gonna be complex con here they're gonna have a pitchfork music festival here and we got, uh, you know, uh, the Silver Room Block Party, which is a mainstay on the south side. It, there's just, there's no reason not to be inside unless you want to stay cool this weekend. So, you know, that, that's pretty much what I'm preparing for, bearing down on that. And, uh, you know, besides that, you know, just, just, like I say, just enjoying, enjoying the summer, man, and enjoying what's been out here in, in these streets, man. But I, I want to get back to you, man. I, I really—you you mentioned sh- the Shack uh, segment, which uh, you know, of course, you can all hear on Scooby Radio right now. So make sure you subscribe to my man. If you don't, you—you're you're, you're missing out big time. And, and you know, I, I love the segment, as short as it was. I know you—you you know, it's not hard, it's, it's not easy to get the big fellas' time like that. I would, but I just from that little taste, you know, I would love to hear you guys chop it up on one of your extended sessions like you have with you know so many we know, will. women in the sport we, we, we will i'm sure you're working on it I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 but, but I, like i say just from that little bit of bit of y'all back to back and forth you know you know uh with your your shared upbringings on the east coast and stuff like that, that was, and, and you know shaq is just always entertaining he, yeah even, he's not even trying
1: yes yeah yeah Shaq. Check, check is that dude Shaq is um i think he's in a very interesting place in his life um because you know he didn't necessarily have the farewell tell farewell tour uh that Dwayne way um had kobe had um and then you assume that you know lebron james will later have you know he had some injuries and some nagging injuries that you know turned into bigger injuries later and um you know you, what you're seeing now is just that transition. Post Hall of Fame speech, you know he's always been a, a guy that's, uh, you know been available to you know shoot various commercials. He is Mr. Advertising, Mr. Brand. Um, but what I what I find interesting is he's really taking ownership of it. I mean, appearing on Entrepreneur magazine covers um, and, and more. And I think that you know you know I actually got the exclusive on you know his. His, um, you know, his partnership with Epson uh, last week or with the Boston Translation is actually the give back that he's doing as well um, through his foundation and through Epson, you know, giving you know computer uh, printers back to schools and some of the other things that they're doing um, on that end. So I think Shaq is in an interesting position because he's really transitioning into, into you know, basically being a center moves uh, like a small guy uh, who gets people you know a man amongst the people as big as he
0: is he's a man amongst the people i think it's pretty cool yeah, yeah definitely definitely I, I i remember some past coverage of him i've heard someone say that he was like the first big man that the average person identified with but you know like like you say pretty much he's the man among the people and he, he there just has there hasn't been that distance with him you know because of his ability to make you laugh, his ability to relate with people of all shapes and sizes. You know, he's, he's really been a, an amazing figure. And, and I, I, I I think about it too, when you talk about his business endeavors, like that uh that segment that they had with him on Real Sports a couple of years ago that really showed a lot of what he's doing right now in, in regards to his branding and the way that he's partnering up with different uh, companies and, and, you know, uh, and, and like I say brands and stuff, and you know it, it's pretty amazing to see. You know it's it's really opened up a lot of different things for him in his, in his time.
1: We're on the same page.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just yeah, like I, said, I just love that segment, and I, I look forward to you know hearing whatever else you get with him in the future. You know exclusive or not, but you know going going for you know going forward on your your recent adventures, man. You know, you wind up in Oklahoma on Thursday on Thursday evening, last Thursday evening, which ends up being the night that all heck breaks loose. All the news breaks with Russell Westbrook, and he ends up being traded to Houston. You know, you're you're there that night where he has this, uh, you know, this comedy show, right? And there's been the footage. I'm, I think some of it has been your footage too, right? of him most of it. Yeah, him being uh, alerted to the news on stage at the show. That's that's pretty amazing. Like, you know, fill us in on what that whole experience was like that night. And you know, it, it seems like, you know, if you've been in this position I think quite a few times, like I don't know if it's a force gumping you or, or what, but <laughs> you know, really find yourself in these these amazing moments like the Adam Silver stuff back in you know back in the day with that conference you know there's other there's, I'm sure there's, there's several other instances too but what was it like on this night being in the presence of Western Westbrook as this game changing and career changing uh, event happened to him?
1: Well, you know was interesting, uh, I basically was overbooked uh, last week. Uh, just to give you a, kind of a point of reference uh i had visited uh, ohio university in january and verbally agreed that i would you know come back to their high school seminar to the high school kids so i was already on deck for that i had actually gotten a call about the russell westbrook uh, comedy show i want to say like a week or two before the, the nba draft um and i said that i would do it um and i just i just needed to make sure the logistics took place and then i got a call about you know Shaq's Thing in Los Angeles, and I had actually taken a meeting with Epson maybe like two or three weeks before. Um, actually, I took the meeting with Epson during the NBA Finals. I sent a car to my house. Um, I, I, I watched their presentation that you know now online, and um, so and basically, I was overbooked, but I found a way to make those things work. So by the time I had left LA, by the time I had left, uh, I had left uh, Ohio. I was pretty tired. I was on a layover in Chicago, and. You know, I had been hearing over the last couple of days, you know, Russell Westbrook, Miami or or Houston. I knew later found out that night that Houston was. Russell Westbrook's first choice. Um, A league source shared with me, actually, um, while I was in Oklahoma, uh, that Russell actually did not want to be traded. He was actually using the forcing a trade uh, narrative as leverage uh, to make Oklahoma actually go out and get more players to, to surround Russell with. And, you know, unfortunately, that situation did not carry out the way maybe Russell would have hoped that it would carry out. Um, And so basically by the time I had gotten to Oklahoma, you know, I was in your city over at O'Hare Airport in a layover for like three hours. And I went over to, uh, I I landed in Tulsa where the comedy show was, the Why Not Comedy Show. By the time I landed, somebody called me and said, yo, did you get the news? I said, no, Russell had been traded to Houston. So um, there were a bunch of my colleagues who were on the red carpet uh, when I got to Tulsa. I didn't even get a chance to change my clothes at first, but I was guaranteed a a one-on-one with Russell. Uh, Me and another person who was at a a Fox affiliate in in Tulsa were promised a a, a red carpet, and basically, I had enough time to change my clothes. And from the way the story was told to me, when Russell saw the amount of media that was there, and it was local media at that point, I was the only national person that was there. He he basically said, "Nah," he goes, "I don't want to talk to media." So a lot of media folks were upset, and literally right after he said, "Nah." he went on stage and started introducing and my journalistic instinct said yo bring your ass on that stage and start getting video because everybody's gonna want russell westbrook content regardless i didn't have the best sound i didn't have the best video quality but i tweeted it out and that's what gave me the upper hand the other advantage i had was you know russ and i did talk throughout in the course of the night um privately Basically, what I can share with you is this. The deal was is not a done deal. There are some factors, like it's done in principle, but it's not signed off. Yeah. And so he's been kind of quiet and not saying too much. He told me he's not ready to speak, um, and he wants the process to take his course. But um, there was just a lot going on at one time, and I really just had to trust my instincts on maybe three hours of
0: sleep. Hey, that, that's a hell of a story. And, and as an aside, right quick. I think for any young journalists or any young young people out there and you know, and want to get in the media game, if you listen to the beginnings of Brandon's story right there, you notice he said he was overbooked. There was some things that were beyond his control, but he still met his obligations. And that's a big part of why why Brandon, you're as successful as you are, because you always meet your obligations. And you know you make you hustle and you do what you can to you know to get yourself in position. Like you know I make fun of you with the Forrest Gump thing, but it's not, <laughs> it's not happenstance that you get that you wind up being in the positions that you are. It's because you hustle and because you make sure that when opportunities arise that you get in the right places. That's you know that's just a big part of like I say your success, man. So I salute you on that thank you sir I, I, I genuinely appreciate that thank you and you know just going back to the this whole process of this trade and stuff now you know one one thing you know it, it's pretty shocking and it hasn't it hasn't been over reported or really reported much at all that westbrook you know preferred not to be traded i think you know, people, more so the storyline has been forwarded that you know he was resigned to being traded in, in the wake of Paul George being uh, sent away to the Clippers and to help build that thing with, with Kawhi Leonard. But, you know, as you say, Westbrook didn't, didn't really want to go. He wanted someone else to come into Oklahoma City. And with that said, was there any names that were that may have arisen in that in his uh you know did he have a, a checklist or anything like that or you know or was he just like get me someone?
1: um from what i've heard and this was not from russell westbrook um my i had heard throughout leading up into that week with miami um and it was houston and then you know after the fact he was speaking to a, a few colleagues um, surprisingly some believe that the New York Knicks uh, was a team of, of interest. Um, me personally, I'm glad he didn't come here at this point um, because I think the Knicks are still figuring out a lot of stuff, and that's me being very objective. Um, and I just don't think that would have been a fit for where he is in his career right now, at 30 years old. Um, I, I think that Russell Westbrook, you know, has done a lot on his own since the Kevin Durant departure, since the Ibaka departure. Um, And I also think, um, and and also the James Harden departure, I I also think um, the way in which he left, it had to be done a certain way because, you know, Russell Westbrook is one of the original uh, Thunder, you know, coming drafted by the Seattle Silence, coming to Oklahoma City. Bro, one thing I learned in a short amount of time, in three, four days in Oklahoma, is they love Russell Westbrook. They love him regardless of what they say in the national media there's a love and respect that they have for russell westbrook that i I, I, the only thing i can kind of compare it to is is maybe um alan iverson in philadelphia and maybe derrick rose in chicago but i think iverson is more you know catty corner to that than, than, than than um derrick rose because you know there are some people who you know are naysayers of derrick rose as they are iverson just the love is different yeah um I think that when you look at russell westbrook and you know the fact that he took them to a championship and you know he he, he really did what he needed to do and i'll add this i think you know i kind of had a personally i had a leg up in oklahoma uh because of my reporting about paul george back in march about his rotator cuff uh, i caught hell about it um and i really just got and people giving me hell about it and then you know it finding out that it's true um, I reported about the Rotator Cup what I had found about Oklahoma fans is you know, they really dig their team they really um, have a love and affinity for them I I could tell that the Paul George trade kind of blindsided me. Uh, but I think Paul George always wanted to be in Los Angeles I, I reported uh, some time ago that you know th- there was some conversation of Paul George potentially joining the Lakers um, and you know those those talks ended up not coming to fruition I, I went into more detail about it but um, you know, there was some type of agreement that LeBron and Paul George did have, and Paul George decided that was something he didn't want to do. Um, and, and maybe he had buyer's remorse or sour grapes a year later. So now you have Russell Westbrook in a situation where he's by himself. But I'll add this, that trade definitely helped both teams. Um, you know, that, that trade does benefit Oklahoma City in the long run, because you can't, Kind of build with a young squad and build with a veteran at the same time, and that's kind of what Chris Paul is at now. Chris Paul is in Russell Westbrook's position now in Oklahoma, um, but then you know you look at Russell Westbrook and his situation. Um, he's traded to a Houston team, and I really dig Shane Gilgis Alexander. I think he's going to be a star in this league for a while. I think Oklahoma is the perfect spot for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, he he definitely showed him quite a bit in his first season with the Clippers. And he's sort of in a. Enough that same position going forward now, where he's with a young team still, and he's going to be able to show a lot of what he can do coming out the backcourt. You know, it, I I wonder though with um, with Paul, you know, what what are your thoughts on on Paul and his eventual? You know, will he will he play any games with with Oklahoma City? Do you think, or will he be? shipped out before the season or at some point during the season or shipped out at all? Is it possible for him to ship it out?
1: Well, I, I penned a story over at heavy.com, uh, which you all can find in the headline. is Chris Paul, Trade Deuce, CP3, uh, ending up with Heat or Lakers likely. Um, I can share with you that during my time in Oklahoma, I kind of got some insight into what's next. Uh, I got a call from someone uh, who's in Summer League, an NBA assistant coach who shared with me um, that a high-ranking official uh, in the NBA uh, shared with them that Chris Paul would like to join the Miami Heat, uh, and they believe that it's likely. Uh, but one thing in doing some more research and people that I spoke to in Oklahoma side was that you know the Thunder are thought to be interested in acquiring um, Tyler Hero, uh, a Kentucky product who is tearing up the summer league right now. But uh, because of the league guidelines are working contracts, the teams would have to wait 30 days before. Westbrook trades in uh, order to orchestrate the trade involving hero. So, you know, that's the hold-up there. Uh, for those who are turning to the party, hero has impressed many in the NBA Summer League uh, out in Vegas. Uh, in his first five Summer League games, I think he had the average of about 20 points, close to five rebounds, and I think four assists. He's also had 1.6 steals and 29.3 minutes of action. So, um, you know, he's been compared to Jason Williams. Um, and, and I know Karan Butler is very big on Tyler Hero. So, as far as your question about when he starts the season, I'm not I'm not comfortable with my reporting to you know give you the win whether he'll play or not. Uh, but I know that there there is interest on the Oklahoma City sund- Thunder side of Tyler Hero, and then you look at Dragic's contract, you know. As I reported during uh, free agency at the beginning, you know, there was a three-team trade in place, and I signed a trade for Jimmy Butler. Uh, Dragic was supposed to be headed to Dallas, and then that ended up changing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you look at that situation, things do change in the NBA. Um, and I also wouldn't sleep on the Lakers. I, I reported, the talk was during uh, NBA draft time uh, that, you know, the Lakers were monitoring a situation and the fact where, um, you know, basically they were looking for... Paul to be bought out or traded or whatever, and then basically, you know, signing. But then you, you worry about the buying out. There's a lot left on Chris Paul's contract. Um, so how do you stretch that out? From, uh, from what I'm hearing, the Heat are a strong option. The Lakers are a dark horse, and you know, here we are.
0: Okay, I I don't I don't know if I, if I if I would prefer one place over the other. I know I know with the Lakers to put him in the same. Uh, locker room with Rondo, you know that that'll be sort
1: of a trip there if that happens. Yeah, I mean you look at what happened in that fight last year. The Lakers had Dipsy Hustle with his, having, having the Lakers back. Right, right. <laughs> if, you see that,
0: Nip, if you see that picture, Nip won't have Paul's back on this one. I, it, it, <laughs> Nip, Nip just be looking from heaven like, man, what's happening to my team? What, what do you think overall before we move on? Because because I'm gonna I'm gonna transition into i I want to transition into two things that sort of Laker related and you know before we get into that stuff, what are your thoughts overall on the Lakers and their offseason? Though so they pull they end up pulling the, the trigger and doing the, the primary thing that they wanted to do and getting AD. They gambled on Kawhi, didn't work out, but they they did a rush right after, you know, when when the Kawhi thing came on the table, they, you know, sorta, of, you know, did I think they did pretty well in rushing the and not playing around and filling out the roster and you know, in a in a in a respectable way. So, you know, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the Lakers put out a respectable
1: roster. I think they did it with it on Kawhi Land and uh, they struck out, you know, all indications on my end were that, you know, that the Lakers were going to get Kawhi Leonard and, and how will add that, um, you know, had the Paul George trade not happened, um, you, you may be looking at Kawhi Leonard as a Laker. Um, and that was where things were leaning to until then. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard knew his worth and was waiting the process out. And then so now when you look at the Lakers, uh, I mean, they've added some pieces. Obviously, Demarcus Cousins a got it, you know, um, it, it, it was was somebody that Miami wasn't legitimately looking at. Um, and, you know, he ended up Miami was looking, he ended up going that way. So then you partnered DeMarcus Cousins with former Pelicans teammates, Anthony Davis and Rajon Rondo. You signed Rondo. Uh, you signed AP Bradley. Uh, you got Jared Dudley who was really a, a great veteran leader on this, this, the Nets team this year. Uh, the D'Angelo Russell, led, you know, the Nets team. You had Quinn Cook you added. You signed JaVale McGee is Caldwell Pope's Kawhi Pope, excuse me, is is, is the most lucky uh, Pope alive. Not the one from that show on ABC. Sure, Olivia Pope. Uh, but you know, you really look at that Lakers team, and, and you know, I think you filled it out pretty well, considering you know you are expecting Kawhi Leonard. Um You know, Jr. Smith is a team, as a is a guy that likely won't be signed. I know that the Rockets and the Milwaukee Bucks, I do have interest in him. You know, they're keeping that one roster spot will it be Carmelo or, or will it be you know Chris Paul we'll see I think it's smart that the Nets excuse me that the Lakers have that one spot left that they can you know fill out where they need to um, but I, I think when you look at the Lakers organization I mean there's a lot of pressure to do well you know you got rid of Brandon Ingram you got rid of Lonzo Ball uh, but I think you you know what you lost in Ball Ingram um, Josh Hart um, you, you have in, you know some of the other guys. Danny Green is another guy that at that time with the Lakers but, um, I, I'd, I'd like to spread up the team. I think that if LeBron were to go out and be hurt uh, again, uh, I think that that team that they have is still built around enough role guys that they could step up where they need to uh, in his absence. And I think that was one of the biggest things. I think this team is built around a LeBron James type situation. And um, I, I like what the Lakers did.
0: Yeah, yeah. And to me, it looks like they got some better pieces. You know, they got they they retained some pieces that make sense for him and and Rondo and McGee, you know, guys who you know at show flashes are playing well with him last year, and they gained people like Green, and um, you know who, who who do exactly what he what he's gonna want them to do three of these stuff, and you know it, you you have Davis who. He's going to be able to take over the team and for long stretches whether it's in individual games or at certain points in the season you know we all we can all expect that point of season where lebron's going to sort of lay it down for a couple of weeks you know? for sure yes yeah, but but now he has a certified top five guy next to him who he knows can keep the team going when he's you know preserving himself to, to get in the playoff mode so I definitely think that the Lakers are better going into this season and the for me the really the whole narrative of the league is hinging on that battle of LA. And you know I'm really excited to see how that's going to play out, how you know how those teams are going to relate to each other, how they're going to play each other on the court, will it get heated? Will it, you know you know what what's going to happen with all that and you know I you know, I'm 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 interested to see that to see how to you know how the Lakers are going to be in spite of their fans and a lot of their reaction, and that's something I want to get into 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 with you on an ancillary basis because you know you put yourself out there quite a bit as a guy who reports on things and and tries to foresee things. You know before they happen and you know some a lot of times you win and sometimes you lose and I respect you for you know for owning up to the fact that when you don't when when things that you report on and and you say are going to happen don't happen but you know what that what that does in our my in our current sports media atmosphere and our social media atmosphere leaves a lot of jerks to come at you and online and stuff and say, oh, well, you didn't get this or what happened to that? And, you know, all types of trolling and stuff ensues. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. And then and, and particularly in regards to the Lakers fans, who I think a lot, of, a lot of them have gone to you for news in the past year or so. But you know, they were so hung up on Kawhi getting there. I think they, a lot of them are lashing out at people who said, who sort of led them along the way because they couldn't think for themselves on this matter? They are sort of lashing out in regards to not getting him. So what what are your thoughts on that whole uh, that whole thing and you know what what has meant for you over the past week or so?
1: Um, I mean, I what I've learned about Lakers fans is they are less because they've won multiple championships. Uh, but their attitudes are very much like Knicks fans. They can be nasty. Um, I think that what kind of caught me is, you know, obviously my reporting about Kevin Durant, you know, back in, back in September. And, um, you know, I, I do know that there were a lot of things that changed or the focus, you know, changed with, you know, Kevin Durant's injury during the NBA Finals. And um, even before then, not even the injury during the NBA Finals, because, I mean, doesn't take Stevie Wonder to see that you know basically he was hurt during the playoffs and you know things changed dramatically you know and even during the regular season ending with Magic Johnson stepping down things changed as related to Rob Palenka and, and some and some of those other things and you know I know that the, you know my story about Kevin Durant not come to fruition but I also back in May. Uh, you know, reported that Kawhi Leonard was the focus of the Lakers. And I believe that that's true. And I've spoken to the people since then. And I've said that, you know, there's some things that have changed. I think during my time away, uh, after free agency, you you sit back and you think about it. What I can say is this, um, even though I struck out, there was a ton of stuff that I had right. Uh, I had Anthony Davis going to the Lakers back in, you know, mid-October. And, you know, those conversations went back and forth. Uh, throughout the course of time. I also had Jimmy Butler during free agency going to Miami. I knew that there was a meeting that took place. Um, I also had Chris Middleton uh, resigning with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, there they are things that I've gotten right. There are some things that I've gotten wrong. Uh, I know that D'Angelo Russell was supposed to come to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, you know, obviously that sign of trade with the Nets and the, and the, and the Golden State Warriors changed things. Um, so, you know, you're not going to get 100 percent right. You're not going to get 100 percent wrong either. But I think my percentage is still more high than it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Lakers, the Lakers fans um, are in a situation where, you know, they haven't won in a long time. But let's not, you know, let's not forget that you've won multiple championships over the past year. Um, and, and so this process is a little bit different. You have LeBron James. Um, you have Anthony Davis, and you have a team full of guys on a roster that can still compete for a championship. And I don't think that's anything to hang your head low on. I, I think they're in a good situation. And, you know, the past year, you know, the Lakers fans, I've learned a lot about the Lakers organization. My late father uh, was a Lakers fan. My stepfather uh, is a Chicago Bulls fan. And, you know, I, I grew up in an era of watching the Bulls win multiple championships. And I grew up here in the dynasty of the Lakers uh, from my mom and, and my biological father. So, you know, it, it's great to learn about basketball and it's to great to, to gain a fan base from the, a legendary fan base in the Lakers organization or Lakers fan base throughout this past year and this last process. So, nothing to hold my head down on and, you know, you just got to keep going.
0: Definitely, definitely. And when you look at all these, all these, uh, these, these guys who are out there on the scene now, whether it's Shams or, you know, Wolves, Wolves hasn't always hit them, hasn't always dropped the bomb either, you know. Everybody has those moments where they're, they're sent off or something that they're led to believe doesn't happen the way that it, that, that they were led to believe. You know? you can't control these things. Like, you know, it's, it's very reasonable to believe that if the Clippers didn't make the move that they made to get George, that Kawhi would have, you know, went to the Lakers because why would he have went to the Clippers over the Lakers in that in that?
1: well I, I, I'll add this I know that I reported back in January I believe it was January 12th through Twitter and my articles I know that Jimmy Butler and Kawhi had been talking um, about a potential parent um, and that got lost in translation that was the day after I had reported about LeBron James's groin injury being worse than what was reported and I caught, heck that. caught hell for that um, and so when you revisit the January 12th conversation with Jimmy Butler, that I know to be true, um, fast forward to la- earlier this month where, you know, Woz reported, you talked about Woz reported, uh, you know, that, that Jimmy and, and Kawhi were having conversations about a potential Clippers pairing. Um, I know that obviously Jimmy ended up going to um, the Miami Heat. Uh, I spoke to Elton Brand. I want to say like maybe a, a couple of weeks, no, about a month before free agency, trying to make sure I had him scheduled on the podcast, the Scooby rated podcast. And he told me he basically is using free agency to lay, you know, lay low and under the radar. Um, and, and I think that the Sixers have done a pretty good job, uh, with, without resigning Jimmy Butler and, and with losing JJ Redick and acquiring Al Horford, um, and, and, and other pieces as well, but, and, and, and also re-signing Tobias Harris. But what I'll say is, um, you know, this free agency was very different than many other free agents. There were some twists and there were some turns. Um, you didn't know whether KD was going to be a Nick. Uh, I knew that Kyrie was likely going to be a, a, a Netflix February 24th. Yeah. Um, but, but what I'll say to you is just this season had a lot of winding, twists, and turns. Nobody expected going into this season that the Warriors would be the NBA champion. Who would have thought that the, that the Toronto Raptors would actually, you know, uh, be the NBA champions? And I think that's what made this free agency a little, a little topsy-turvy for Kawhi Leonard. You literally are deciding your next move after, like, I don't think people realize the brilliance that Kawhi Leonard had. You literally were traded from a Spurs organization to a Raptors team. You won a championship, and then you're counted upon to give an answer of which team you're going to go to next, and you have to pick up a letter to return to a championship team in the Raptors, the Los Angeles Lakers, who are a story franchise, or you can sign with Los Angeles Clippers. I don't think that that narrative gets as much consideration as, as it does, and I think retroactively now, two weeks later, it's starting to sink in how much of a novel this all was, man. I think that that's just the brilliance
0: that is the NBA, and an NBA playoff, mind you, that was without LeBron James. Yeah, definitely. And and like you say, like so much, so many things changed throughout the course of the season, all the way up, essentially to its very end. And you know, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing how you know, you know, as, as, as certain things get peeled back. At you know, as we as we look back on the season now, and you know some things come out about some of the the maneuvering in the back. You know, to me it just, you know, why just took back so much power and control in his career, both on the court and off the court, by winning a title and by you know doing the things that he did to get himself in a position where he can safely go to a new team and still maintain a competitive edge by bringing another top player along with him. It seems like, you know, as you say what you, you know, as you say and as your reporting led you to believe that he was doing it, that for a long time he had had on his mind that he going to, that he wanted to pair up with another elite person.
1: And, and I just think you had to do that. I don't think, I, although I do think that that Clippers team uh, was, was pretty regal. I mean, they really went toe-to-toe with the Warriors and in in an injured Warriors team without Kevin Durant for most of it uh, in the NBA playoffs. But, you know, that Clippers team, their best player, uh, was, was, was coming off the bench and Lou Williams. That, that said something about the, that team. I mean, you know, you had Chicago's own Patrick Beverly. They signed him. Um, you know, you, you have Paul George. Um, you have. Uh, Just a a glut of guys that that can really, like when I look at the NBA playoffs, two of the most um, blue-collar, tough-nosed teams that could go toe-to-toe with your best team or your favorite team was the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets impressed a lot of people. I wasn't surprised. And I think the other team is the Portland Trailblazers, who actually got better this summer as well. So, I mean, there's just a lot of layers of just different Brilliance and, and nuances that, that that teams have added that are going to really be special. Um, and I think that the Lakers and the Clippers, unlike the Nets and the Knicks, have a real in-town rivalry that's going to, to be something special for the next few years. The Nets, they got a they got a three to five year window. Um, the Knicks, they still have their wallet, but they just got to figure out what they're going to do. You know, I, I've heard. Some some rumblings of just various things that the Knicks want to do, but you know I, I'm just not sure. I, I do like the Julius Randle uh, situation. I think he doesn't hurt you. A slow steady wins the wins the, the race. But back in Los Leilai, back at the, meanwhile, back in the ranch in Los Angeles, uh, that Clippers Lakers situation is, is is something special. And you kind of saw it starting this past season. You know, particularly when the Lakers uh, traded. Uh, uh, their big man uh, or one of their big men Zubac to the Clippers um, and then you saw the Clippers go to the playoffs and the Lakers didn't you know so I think there's a lot of bragging right to the Staples
0: Center it's a great time to be alive definitely definitely and you know before because I, I, I want to get into a, a sort of off the court stuff uh, and as, as we get towards the end here but before that you know you you, you brought up your, your New York teams and of course you know you're definitely Mr. New York to me, so I got to get you to talk a little bit more about those Knicks and Nets before we go. Uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the Knicks. Uh, you know, their their perspective and their uh, you know what what could be a, going forward for them. What what do you think? What is the overall mood surrounding them right now in New York? Is it you know we hear a lot about them nationally. Know, you know people people like Stephen a you know sort of become uh you know notable for their perspective on the Knicks and stuff but on the ground in new york you know what a fan's you know response to what what's going on this summer and you know is is it positive is it is it are people jumping ship to brooklyn you know what, what what's going on with that
1: it depends on who you ask. I mean, you you talk to some Knicks fans, and then you talk to some former players who who played in the NBA, who are who are native New Yorkers, and they'll say, you know, the Knicks are still um, New York's team. Uh, the only difference is now, you know, the Nets move from are are still a bridge away from the Knicks. You know, you got to you got to cross over the Brooklyn Bridge, but um, on the Manhattan side of Brooklyn, but you know, on that on that bridge on the Brooklyn Bridge. But what I say is. Um, I think that the Nets, for the first time, it's a real rivalry because the Nets are good and are in New York. You know, the Nets started out in New York. They were in Long Island and So SoCal State, New Jersey. Sure. You know, they made the move back to New York. But what I say is um, the Nets are in a situation that's different because the Nets don't have an established identity, which is why Kyrie felt comfortable going to Brooklyn. He grew up watching the New Jersey Nets, watching Jason Kidd and more. Um, KD um, had a lot of pressure in joining a Knicks team that had your Willis Reeds, your, your Earl of Pearl Monroe, your, your Dave Bushers, your Phil Jacksons, your Willis Reeds, all those different things. It's an established franchise. Just like if somebody were to come to Chicago, they got to be in the shadow of Michael Jordan. Think that? Brooklyn is hipster territory now and they don't have an identity. Your identity in a, in a Barclays Center that was christened by Jay-Z in 2012 is everything hip-hop. How do you capitalize on that? So for me, I look at the, the Knicks and Nets rivalry as something that's building, but the Nets still got to go out and produce. They ain't won nothing. They still got the same record as the Knicks. And so to enable, enable to establish itself, Kyrie Irving, I know him, but at the end of the day, Homeboy's got to produce. He's got to be healthy. The Nets got to win fifty games, and they have the roster to do so. Although they have Kyrie and they have KD, who won't suit up this season. You still have a Jared Allen who was brought in to replace Brook Lopez. At, you know, in the Angela Russell trade, who's improved every year. Um, you know, you you, you have some other bench guys. You, you still have Spencer Dinwiddie, who in my mind could now win sixth man of the year, or, or at least battle with Lou Williams for it. Um, you look at Joe Harris. I remember watching him when he was in Cleveland. He was a teammate of Kyrie Irving in Cleveland um, and, and could shoot the lights out. You know, so you, you and Kenny Atkinson had, had to go off to him. Both he and Doc Rivers were arguably uh, NBA coach of the year this season. and You know, they were able to guide teams uh, to playoff runs this season. And, you know, now they come in and they got the prize this offseason as the underdog. They got, you know, Los Angeles Clippers got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and the Nets got, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So I definitely think that the Nets are in a situation where they can run New York. But the funny thing is, they were running this past season. I was going into this season saying the Nets had the potential for D'Angelo Russell and, and some of those other guys. You know, the Knicks, they struck out with Kyrie. Kyrie was never coming to the Knicks, by the way. Um, and as far as Kevin Durant goes, um, there was a thought that of him coming, but, you know, things did change. And now they're in a situation where they got some young guys who can actually play. And so now you're going to see what they made of and see if they improve. But when you talk to Knicks fans, they're pretty ticked because it all started at the draft lottery. Number one. They couldn't get Zion because they they got the pick that they got, right? They did get R.J. Barrett, who's not a bad player, but he's not Zion, and that's who they wanted. And then, I just think the Knicks were a little too comfortable. You know, you sent Patrick Ewing to the draft lottery after all these years, thinking he was going to bring you some good luck. That's strike one. Mm. Strike two, you didn't get Kyrie. Strike three, you didn't get Kevin Durant. So now what? They're going to watch the net. Knicks are really in a situation where you know they could play another year and you know get those guys on board. And I really do like the Julius Randle signing. I I, I do like RJ Barrett signing, but he's going to be out for some time. You know, then, you know, you, you look at Morris. He comes in. He's going to be probably looking to, to to make some things happen. But really and truly, if you're a Knicks fan, you're disappointed because you thought Kyrie and KD were coming. out. Never thought Kyrie was coming. KD, it was a split. I, I, I remember leading into free agency. Free agency, free agency started um, on a, that Sunday at 6 o'clock. Um, I knew Kyrie was coming to, to Brooklyn since the 24th of February. I, knew, I spoke to someone that Thursday uh, who spoke with KD, and they told me KD was leaning towards um, Brooklyn on Thursday, uh, and that the Knicks were out of the picture. And if you're KD, you kind of have a bird's eye view of what's going on. Think about it, right? Your best friend is an assistant coach for the Knicks. You played with him at, at, at um Texas. Texas.
0: Royal Ivy, yeah.
1: Royal Ivy. KD is the godfather of Royal Ivy's daughter. Then, DeAndre Jordan is your homeboy. He's playing for the Knicks, so he knows what's going on. Alonzo Trier is the guy you've mentored since your Seattle Super Sunday day. So you, got everything that's going on, you know everything that's going on, but I'll tell you one thing. I, I've said this before, and I, I'll say it for translation. Um, when I went to that Jordan party in Charlotte in February, it was then that I was able to see that Brooklyn was a viable option because I was standing right with KD and Kyrie, and they were talking. And I just watched their camaraderie. It's one thing to hear it in the news. Another thing for other people to tell you secondhand is a, it's a separate argument to actually see, and I said, man... There's something to that, and uh, perfect fit. But again, Brooklyn has to win games, 50 games. They got to win this season in order for people to really take them seriously. I think they take them seriously on paper. Now you got to bring it together.
0: So two things. So uh, uh, in your in your mind, essentially, it was Kyrie being dead set on going to the Nets that made the difference. With KD going there. Would, would, would you agree with that?
1: I think that had a huge part. I think the other part is okay, the Knicks got KD now, what? he'd still be sitting out for a year. The Nets can still be effective with KD being out. And then, you know, the other thing, things you, I know, I'm, like.
0: I'm talking about in, in KD making his decision. I know, I, or are you, are you saying that KD realized that he couldn't sit out a year with the Knicks and make it work?
1: I I think he could, but it depends on who they were surrounding him with. The Nets on paper still had a squad with or without KD or Kyrie. Right.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: That's part of it. The other part of it is, um, there are some commonalities that, in my mind, allow the Nets and Rock Nation to know what they're doing. I want you to Google the Yormark brothers. They're twin brothers one your mark works for the Rock Nation team organization the other one works for the Brooklyn Nets that's one two the doctor who was responsible for, for performing KD surgery is a Brooklyn Nets doctor i will leave that there
0: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll gladly look that up so uh you know, before i wanna, I want to i ask you one more thing about Kyrie but before set before i get into that are are we all overlooking still you know, even in the in the, in the in the even if it's in a you know a more you know amorphous type of way, are we still overlooking the Jay Z influence? You know, because we know Jay Z's had a long relationship with Durant too. As far as Durant wanting to even go to New York in in general, but in particular go to Brooklyn and go to the Nets, who we know have a history. No.
1: We're not overlooking it because I'll tell you, Kyrie has had the advantage of playing for cities that have been part of his development. And I'll tell you like this, he played for the Boston Celtics last season. Did you know that his dad had a tryout for the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I'm, I've heard.
0: I remember hearing that over the past year.
1: Um, his, dad, his Kyrie mentors a kid, Brad Aiken, goes to Harvard Um, I met Brad when he was getting ready to transfer to Kyrie's high school, uh, the Patrick School in Elizabeth, New Jersey. He has a lot of influence. He's been able to do that. Um, You know, when Kyrie's father left, Boston to play overseas. He was born in Australia. Kyrie has, although he represents and claims West Orange, New Jersey, Kyrie has also lived in the Bronx. Uh, And I think that that city atmosphere kind of comes full circle. Brooklyn is a separate borough from the Bronx. But, you know, Kyrie knows the city. He learned how to play the game in the city. His dad used to take him to the city and he would play at the parks with the kids. Um, I will also add um, that I thought it was pretty cool uh, that Kyrie signed um, his contract with the Nets uh, at Roosevelt Middle School in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, I actually graduated from Roosevelt Middle School in West Orange, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, And Jay came to the signing. Jay's mother lives in West Orange. So there was a full moment, full circle moment there. Um, and Kyrie actually grew up um, watching the Nets, watching, you know, Jason Kidd. Uh, and you know, Byron Scott, who coached the Nets, lived in Livingston, which is next door to West Orange. I think there's a lot of, you know, and I know Kyrie is a big Jay fan. Bill, so for even jeff Wessler signing with rock nation and then all that stuff with the intellectual property that i was talking about on twitter Kyrie was telling a story using social media to get all of that out and then here you come on signing day so i think it was a very strategic move um i was first included about it in september um of last year um and here we are Uh, i never thought boston was a long-term thing Uh, For Kyrie, just like Toronto was never a long-term thing with, you know, Kawhi. Um, But, you know, there was talk of Kyrie joining the Lakers with LeBron. And, you know, it depended on what KD was going to do with the Knicks. And I know that Kyrie basically convinced uh, Kyrie convinced KD to join the Nets because there was a 50-50 split that that one was going to join one and one wasn't going to join the other. And, uh, you know, luckily for their brands, they made the decision that was best for them. And here's the other thing. You know Karis LeBert is represented by Rock Nation too.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: You got Karis LeBert, Kyrie Irving, and KT all represented by Rock Nation. You got Brett Yormark working for the Nets in the front office. I think it's the COO. And his brother works for Rock Nation.
0: <laughs> see see Jay, Jay and Bay just need to buy back into that team, man. You know why
1: do- <laughs> not? Oh
0: man, yeah, he because he's a yeah, because he's representing players I know, but it, but you
1: know, we, he can still own the seats through the company, so he ain't
0: even paid for. Them. I'm sure, I'm sure, but it, you know it, that's that's why he that's why Jay is Jay, man. So we, we got to give it up to him. But I, but, but one more thing with with the Nets and with Kyrie, like you know, I you know you're as tight with Kyrie, you know him as well as any player in the league, and you know you've already laid out the stakes in your in, in in your opinion as to what the nets need to show and they're going to have to show it with him firmly at the helm because kd is not going to be available to you. and I, a lot of what's gone around with kyrie in the past year you know i guess a couple years you could say has it, been his 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 state of mind and people have been wondering you know what's really up with him is he going to be satisfied? Is he ever going to be satisfied? Because he wasn't satisfied in Cleveland, you know, judging by his actions. He wasn't satisfied in Cleveland, he wasn't satisfied in Boston. So, in, in your opinion, is he going to be satisfied in Brooklyn? He's going to have he, to be. At least through this year, you know, in the right mind state to win 50 games,
1: like you said. I mean, he has help, um, and I think- Can't help in Boston. Yeah, but there's different circumstances, and allow me to explain. Okay. Um, when you look at Boston, Kyrie was there, LeBron. And Kyrie in that moment realized why LeBron was so frustrated with him during his time in Cleveland. Because it was a bunch of young guys that found a way to make it happen, despite a lot of stuff that was going on in the locker room that went unreported. I'll say that. Um guys bumping heads and clean and not getting along. So then Kyrie wanted his own team. It, it, it's almost like um, I, I've been in a situation where, you know, if you're an older guy and you're partnering with a younger guy, and y'all both think that you guys have it, and maybe you don't. Hmm. And, and without naming the name, you know what I'm talking about. I think at the end Seven. of the day, when you go your own separate ways, you realize how, you know, you guys – Some may be made to be on their own and some may be not to be. But you still got to be respectful publicly. But the thing about it is when you're a grown man, you realize and you acknowledge when you make mistakes and you move on and and you try to do better. And I think Boston was that moment for Kyrie. LeBron has some of the same characteristics that Michael and Kobe both had. Jerks that win. (laughs) <laughs> Kyrie was transitioning over into that jerk that wins now. And he's with a jerk that wins and Kevin Durant because going to be jerks together and hopefully they're able to seal the deal with him. But I think at the end of the day um, it really comes down to, I think this year is going to be a big year for Kyrie because he really has a chance to just build the team in his own image and get a head start. Karis LaBerge was encroaching on an all-star caliber year until so he got hurt in the fall. Season. Yeah. I talked to Karis. I was with Karis in April, and I asked him, I said, you know, I tore my ACL. You hurt yourself. I don't play NBA basketball, you do, But I know when I was playing for fun in rec league, when I was stuck on the court, I would kind of feel a little, I would think before moving my feet. What say you? He goes, yeah, when I first got on the court, you know, I was really thinking about my movements before I did it, and it's like, you know, he said he wanted to get to the point where he's just moving and grooving without thinking about it. And I think Karras now has helped Kyrie Irving in year one. You have all the, I mean, Jared Allen is getting practice playing, you know, Summer League basketball, but I really do think that Kyrie has an advantage of being home. And that's not easy, being home and playing for the hometown team, so to speak. Um, you know, but then you're in a situation where, you know, KD is watching from afar. He's training. He's getting better. I think that that Boston situation was training, training ground uh, for where he's going. But I also just think that the world revolved around Kyrie, and there were certain guys that didn't like it. Yeah, and that was you've got a lot to prove.
0: Yeah, and I would you could definitely I definitely agree with that because in in Boston too you had people whose motivations were different too in regards to. Maybe Brown and and Tatum, and uh, also like a uh, you know, uh a scary Terry, you know, who was who was in his contract year, and you know a few other players in contract years too up there. Whereas with the Nets, you have pretty much everything that's settled around him, and you know, your role players uh they know who they are, and you know the players, you know, players are pretty much of the contract. And they know that they have one of the best players in the league still to come, you know, uh, in, in Kevin Durant. So I, I, grew, I, I hope, you no, know, I'm, I'm gonna stay positive. You know, you, you, you convinced me there, and I'm, I'm, I just want to see how it goes, and hopefully, you know, because, because he's such a gifted guy, man, gifted player on that court, and it, I would hate to see that, you know, he can't make it happen in Brooklyn. Because you know that I, you know, from knowing your from your reporting and everything, you know, I I know that would mean a lot to him. So, you know, and it would mean I think it would mean a lot to the NBA if if Brooklyn resurrects itself and makes it makes itself into a contender. So, you know, we just like in in LA where we got those two teams, you know, in New York, you know, we're probably only going to see the one team really be a threat in the near future, but. If if, it's, if if Brooklyn does what it does, what it can be expected to do, that could be a deal in the East. We on the same page? Yeah, we always yeah, we often are, man. That's why you're my guy. So, but but I'm, I'm gonna let you go uh, pretty soon. I know you you got a lot of work to do still, but I just had a couple.
1: You wanted to talk
0: space jam? I yes, I want. I got I got to talk this space jam stuff because it, it's kind of hilarious to me. And you already see people getting jokes off online. You know, LeBron running off directors like he's running off coaches and and all this stuff. It's interesting to me because I'm, I'm very much a film guy too. And I follow a lot of these creative guys in Hollywood, in particular the brothers. And it's interesting to me that they got this guy, Terrence Nance, to direct the film. And it was very interesting to me When they first announced that because he was putting out this show on hbo uh last year uh that was very avant-garde and you know uh, militant and all these sort of things that we haven't seen on tv before in regards to expressing blackness and i was just wondering i was wondering like how in the hell are they going to utilize his voice for a space jam movie it seems it turns out that they couldn't. <laughs> Cause, you know, LeBron probably was hearing some of the stuff that he wanted to do and was like, dude, I just want to play basketball with Bucks but <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I, I can I can just imagine some of the stuff that was going on in on on that set. And they end up hiring Malcolm D. Lee, who a lot of people may not know is the cousin of Spike Lee. And, you know, Spike, you know, Spike is, of course, the legend. He's he's a guy who can make blockbusters and make very, you know, uh, uh, powerful movies. But Malcolm's a pretty hard hitter, too, as far as a director goes. And and he's more of a mainstream guy. He's actually, it, when I heard this news today, it, to me, it, it was like, they should have hired Malcolm D. Lee in the first place because he can make mainstream movie people like like girls trip like uh uh you know the best man of course classic and uh you know other movies that he's made to that degree uh undercover brother i believe made two back in the day so it's like you know to me maybe this is a situation where lebron lucks out but this is also something that you never want to hear on a movie set you know them you know a, a production already started and you getting rid of a director midstream so I, I just you know from your point of view as a guy who you know you were early on the Space Jam reporting Space Jam 2 reporting and you know you got a lot of contacts who know about LeBron and stuff and his processes I just want to get your thoughts on that and like what do you think about how this you know what this means and what it could mean for the movie? Because I think a lot of people are gonna look at this and be like, "Man, this movie is gonna kind of turn out bogus."
1: Um, I think that uh, <laughs> when you mentioned LeBron kind of got rescued, it's kind of like that season, that that injury in December was a blessing in disguise. I think that LeBron James had a plan going to LA, and most of the intellectual property and the things that he has going um, were smooth. Um, but I, I think that. Um, it's a learning lesson um, this season. Maybe everything didn't go as smoothly as LeBron thought it would go uh, in, in year one. As I'm talking to you now, um, I, I'm reflecting on uh, a conversation that I had with Kevin Garnett um, about LeBron James. And, and basically, uh, and you guys can find it on my blog at, at Scoopy.com, at the Scoopy blog, or Scoopy.com on the Scoopy blog. And basically, uh, Kevin Garnett told me that he felt that LeBron James was going to have a learning lesson in the Um uh, And I think that's both basketball and maybe in some respects business. Uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously he rolled out everything that was going on with The Biggest Loser, that, that type of show, and uh, some of the other things that he was doing. But, um, you know, Kevin Garnett said to me they got the best player in the world his influence is called, his influence causes everyone else to be better. Um and so, you know, if this is a process where it's gonna take a little longer for, you know, the movie to come out, so be it. Um I think, you know, the thing that Kevin Garnett said to me that just stands out almost a year later is I think we're all gonna see it and it's gonna be a learning lesson for the Lakers this year. Um, and I think this is a learning lesson for LeBron That just because you're LeBron James And you're coming to Los Angeles It doesn't mean you're going to win championships right away It doesn't mean you're going to be an award winning actor and movie, and, and movie director right away It takes time And so when you look at uh, Spike Lee Look at how many years it took before he got an award You said it was his nephew That's going to kind of come in and make some things happen
0: his cousin, uh, I, his, I think Malcolm is his cousin I, I, I'm pretty sure it's his cousin But yeah
1: uh yeah, transition. He's, the, he's the director
0: now, Malcolm, yeah.
1: It's a transition for, for those people too, man. It's a transition. I think 2020 is a transition for people who are making the next step as a celebrity themselves, their families, their their, their offspring and more. You're seeing LeBron James' son make that transition to, you know, the next guy. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, Spike Lee. His his family now making transition. You look at Denzel Washington. What is his son who was in the movie Spike Lee directed, The Klansman? Yeah, did a
0: great job. Yeah, he's
1: to the transition. Yeah, yeah, just seeing that transition, man. So I think all good things come to those who wait. That's even in fact biblical, and the same thing is going to apply in Hollywood. The Lakers. It's, it's a great opportunity for them to win a championship. Will they? We'll see. Um, it's a great opportunity for you know Kyrie Irving, a former teammate of LeBron James, now have his own team and make some things happen. And I think that even in the Space Jam lore, you know, uh, all those guys that are going to be in it, You Clay know, Thompson's going to have time to record now. It's going to be a very interesting uh, year, brother.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's just, I don't, it's just, like I say, it's just very interesting and, and kind of entertaining, pretty entertaining to me. Like, I keep thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep thinking now about this whole process and, like, you know, is is Malcolm Lee going to be the Ty Lue? And, and that's part of the jokes, too, that Ty Lue is going to come in uh, direct. Like, but, like, is Malcolm Lee going to be the Ty Lue and Terrence Nan's going to be the uh, David Black? So, is, is it Black? Black? Uh, uh, (laughs) Like, it's like, like, LeBron, do you, do you like before, like I said, do you think LeBron really sort of mixes up the processes of being a a basketball player and a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a scout or talent, uh, uh, I guess, yeah, like I said, scout or or a uh, discerner of talent? in basketball do you think he he brought he's bringing most of that into his processes as a creative person as a director and producer too you think that
1: i think that lebron james is the epitome of everything will smith from the fresh prince of bel-air was supposed to be in the nba and beyond uh lebron has hosted has hosted award shows he's been in acting movies he's, he's, he's been the pitchman for sneakers he has his own um, platform media platform when uninterrupted I think LeBron is in a good situation even speaking up on some rights issues but the thing about it is when you're dealing with people of that magnitude um, sometimes um, and I don't know if this is necessarily the case with him but sometimes you think that you can do more than you can but the good thing that he has is good people around him who advise him who advised him more to, to do the don't to cancel? I mean I think it was pretty ingenious um you know to to employ your guys to start their own agency and it represent you as the first client um, that's everything Vincent Chase was supposed to be on on entourage yeah, yeah. you know I, I think when you look at um I think when you look at what LeBron is doing I think he has his input I don't necessarily I mean if he wants to make that final decision he can um, but I also just think there is pressure uh, for him to create the sequel to Michael Jordan's first, and um, that's that is pressure. Damn, with catching Michael six rings, being the guy to make a sequel to Michael Jordan's first base, game you can't dive or cut around that. That is a stone, you know. That's 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 like you know, Cedric the Entertainer had to be Ralph Sampson in the Honeymooners movie after the successful TV show. Get huh. hit.
0: Yeah, that, and, and it's something that like I I I love to hear him speak directly as to why he even. I mean, I guess you, you can have you can discern why he even took that on, of course, but you know it's it, it like you said it was a lot of pressure that he didn't necessarily need to take on, but that's sort of what makes LeBron LeBron, and I think a lot of what makes him success that he that he's been and, and continues to be too is his ability to learn lessons from his mistakes. And, you know, I think I think a lot of people are gonna wanna jump on, you know, whatever happens with this movie. And if you know, even if it comes out and it's not necessarily as good as the first one, people gonna probably talk a lot of crap. But I I wouldn't bet against him at all to continue to be to learn whatever he needs to learn from his process and this production and apply it to, you know, even greater things in the future. So, you know, you know, I'm not hating on LeBron at all with this. I'm just, it's just, like I said, it's fascinating to me and as, at as the intersection of sports and entertainment. And, you know, I, I wish him the best. I want Space Jam 2 to be a success. But, uh, you know, it, it, like I say, it's just weird, it's just wild when you see stuff like that come about and it, and it mirrors so much <laughs> what we see from him in the past. Like, you know, but, but uh, you know, Scoop, man, like I said, before, before we go, man, just I, I wanted to do, throw a couple more things out of you, because- You got time. No, no, yeah, I, I, I know, man. I just, like I said, I, I kind of want to get, you know, to some other stuff myself too, but, I know, you know, you, you you network well with former players and, uh, and former NBA players, I should say. And, you know, a lot of what's going on, I think, in the culture of the former NBA player right now, one of the biggest things is the big three. And, you know, we got the big three coming. You know, the season is going on right now. It's coming up in a couple of weeks be here in Chicago. It just left Brooklyn, your home, your stopping grounds, this past weekend. One thing that I noticed from the past weekend is that Iso Joe Joe Johnson had another great performance, and it seems to me that like he was born to play in that league. Like, like he is taken to that league like a fish to water, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he plays twenty years in that league. And and people, the shorties, for the next generation, forget that he even played in the NBA. They just associate him with the big three because. Like I said, he's just so made for that league. And, you know, I was just wondering, like, if you were, if you were, what would you rather be right now? Would you rather be Joe Johnson or Carmelo Anthony? Because Carmelo is, you know, I'm sure the big three would love to have Carmelo. The NBA, not so much. But we know Carmelo can, can uh, do the same things that. Joe Johnson is doing in the big three right now, if you want it. But he's in this basketball purgatory right now, Whereas Joe is having fun this stuff, he's playing ball, he's on TV still, and he's showing what he can do. And, you know, it, it's just interesting to me how the decisions that these guys are making, how it's reflecting their current status as ball players. And, you know, the options are out there now for these guys. Like you got more of these guys who are playing, you know, more these guys who are even in their early 30s, leaving the league, you know, sort of passive-aggressively leaving the league. And, you know, they're finding, they're finding their place as part-time players and part-time announcers and, and analysts. You know, you'll see guys who, you know, they'll appear on the jump for three days in the week and play on the big three on the weekends. And it, it, it was it just seems to me like an ideal time right now to be a, a thirty to thirty-five to forty-year-old NBA player right now a former NBA player right But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, and um, you know, I, I wonder if you've been hearing anything on on the wire from some of these guys about you know what's what's the big three has been like this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think you, you
1: talked. I had Anthony Morrow's yeah, great interview. You know,
0: I, what you said—that that was a great interview. I like that.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. And when, you, when, you, when you talk to a lot of these guys, they have more options. You know, like Anthony Morrow still wants to play in the NBA, uh, but his options were limited. And, you know, you're get married and he got a family. And you know, you—that you, you know—I I can tell you that players are making ten to twelve thousand dollars a game playing in the big three. Hmm. And, um, and and a few players have shared with me you know, that. You know Certain guys Could use the money Or still guys Are using it For various options You know Somebody like Mahmouda Raul Is playing for relevancy You know and, and post You know During the time Where Kylie um, Kaepernick Was a top Was a popular thing, Right And You know I, I think that um, I think that When you look at uh, Certain players uh, they're using that as a springboard for other things. Um, where, you know, they're playing the big three, you got all these young guys paying attention to them, and now they're able to do TV, and are doing more. Josh When well, I remember uh, we were talking about Joe Johnson. Uh, you know, I covered the, the Nets their first year in Brooklyn for Brooklyn then And, um, you know, Josh Children was on that team. And Childress, Jay Chill went from playing for the Nets to, you know, playing in the big three. And so he, he went from back to the big three to playing for, I think, the Denver Nuggets. And so I think. There's not one place that, um, you know, these guys have to be in the play. Uh, To directly answer your question about Carmelo Anthony, um, Carmelo Anthony could still play in the NBA. um, It's a matter of maybe he has to pick a team that's not a championship contender team. If you think I'm lying, ask uh, Jamal Crawford, who spent this past season playing for the Phoenix Suns, or ask Vince Carter, who played for the Atlanta Hawks, a team that in the next few years will be on the rise and we talked about in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Um, you know, so um, I, I remember talking to uh, Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams, who also appeared the Scooby Radio podcast, and he talked about how, you know, Carmelo Anthony's situation has nothing to do with no team more than them. He just got to be in the right situation. He said, you know, he could have played on the Detroit Pistons team this past season, but will he? That's the difference. So I think that the narrative that you know, Carmelo Anthony can't play the NBA again, is lost. I think that he's getting towards the end of his career like Chris Paul. And you're seeing some of your peers who have been drafted the same year in 2003, 2003. I mean, look at the 2003 draft. You had Dwayne Wade, you had uh, uh, Chris Bosch, um, even Darko Villages appeared in the NBA finals in the rookie year. You know, sure. So at the end of the day, you're playing for your legacy. Amari's trying to sneak back in there and, and he was drafted in 2002, of course, but you're, you're
0: guys- that was the next thing I wanted to go into, but but go ahead. ahead.
1: I'll leave that alone, but this is what I say about Joe Johnson, who I believe was drafted in 2003 as well. Um, I really got a chance to to, to really understand Joe um, during his time in Brooklyn. Um, he and, and, and Ray Allen are very regimented. They watch what they eat. They both wear Team Jordan. It's not by accident that Jordan has, it and has, you know, those guys as the face of, you know, his brand or, or former faces or the team faces of their brand. And I just think that Joe Johnson has always just taken care of himself. And I think he really got hit. people question his payday early on. Um, I remember just his time in Atlanta, playing with Al Horford, playing with Mike Bibby, and more. And then coming to Brooklyn, um, he was like the savior. He didn't. He wasn't rattled. Um, you know, during that time with 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 Darren Williamson, more he just really was a consummate professional, and I, I really gained a, a big deal of respect for him. And I actually think his level of professionalism carried over to his time in Utah. Uh, I remember bumping into him his, that year in Utah, playing with Rudy Gobert and all those guys. Those guys just really took a liking to him in Utah. Joe Johnson is just the same all the time, and. Um, I'm happy for his continued or his extended success, but it's by no accident that he's continuing the Trinity's on. As far as Carmelo Anthony, I mean, he wants to play, but I also just think um, the Lakers do have one more roster spot left. I know that Chris Paul is a dark horse to land to the Lakers, and the Miami Heat are a popular option. I definitely think um, that you know in the next couple months, you're going to see uh, what happens next, but I would love to see Joe Johnson play in the NBA again,
0: but I don't know if he necessarily has that interest. It, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think Joe is really showing like you said, that professionalism and, and really adding to his legacy as a ball player just you know, by his output in the big three. and It's interesting like you, you mentioned the possibility of a side door or a back door back into the league with these players, and I remember last year covering Big Three in Chicago and Amari, in the press conference was like, "I want to get back in the NBA." And there's been more rumblings about with him this year, and he's sort of shown himself to be a bit more spry this year than I think he did last year. You know, he's continued to play over overseas in overseas and Israel. And, you know, he's, he's 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 showing his devotion to the game, too. So with that in mind, do you think that Amari can find himself a place back in the NBA this coming? Uh,
1: I've heard rumblings of, you know, like the Warriors having a real interest. Um, and I reported on Fourth of July that there were five there were five teams uh, that had interest in Amari, um, you know, uh, in his uh, potential return, the Knicks being one of them, the Rockets being one of them, the Dallas Mavericks, I believe, was one, the Lakers, uh, as, as well as, um, you know, the Warriors, as I mentioned earlier. I definitely think that um, at the end of the day, uh, his knees, his uh, health long term. I actually spent some time with Amari recently, and uh, we talked about his blind gas and how that was something that uh, kind of preserved him. And um, I think Amari is in a very interesting situation because most times you see players retire, and then that's it. And I think that it really started with that 96 draft class with guys like Allen Iverson and Moore. They were OGs before they were OGs. You even see it in hip-hop with like, guys like Jadakiss and Nate Dogg, the late Nate Dogg, who were OGs before they were old enough to be OGs.
0: Yeah. And
1: you're just seeing these 40-somethings are doing it different. Kenny Martin is doing it differently attached to the game doing TV. And the other thing is these guys are even taking journalists to jobs. Uh, that's the part, you know. I grew up a fan of the game, but you know, they're becoming analysts, and that's taking away from, you know, the food that maybe you and I eat. But I just think that in today's day and age, there's so many different lanes of versatility to be who you are. Um, and 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 I and I also have to credit guys like, you know, Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas and even Charles Kenny and and and, and Shaq, who paved the way for for you know, guys to be players
0: turn analysts and make real money oh yeah it, and it's it's much more of a of you know i think you you've always sort of had nba players who transitioned into uh anal, analyst analyst roles and stuff going back to you know bill walton and snapper jones and i think bill russell even did it for a little bit after he he finally left the game like you know for, gen, for generations they've done it, but, with more more and more media outlets that we have today, that it's just so many places out there for people to talk about the game and, and write about the game, you know, but you know, but mostly talk about the game when you're talking about these ex players and, you know, I don't blame blame You know, like you said, it, it may take out spots for people like you and me. And, you know, I would love to see as much as I would love to see someone like you on the jump, you know, short of that. You know, to see people like Steven Jackson and you know Kendrick Perkins and you know my no Scotty of course we love Scotty here and you know even even McGrady you know there's some other guys you know I don't really rock with too much you know Brian Hollins and the like but you know uh but there there's some there's some good guys that for the most part these guys are out here doing good work and they know a lot about the game and they bring a lot to the table as far as as uh you know Uh, perspective and, you know, and and analytical thought, you know, because they really know the game better than anybody else. You know, so I'm I'm glad to see these players, and and in particular because, you know, these are the players who we grew up with, Scoop. You know, these are the players who, you know, we we came of age watching in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, for them to find new ways to stay on the screen, stay on the screen, stay on the scene, in and, and, and I think there's a lot to be said too where, where you like you mentioned the school the way that you know brothers nowadays you're not old when you're 40 you know you're not old when you're middle and and I think it's it's kind of inspirational in a way you know it gives us something to think about over the next 10 years or so well you know, as we continue to build and do our things so you know, I ain't mad at the guys you know keep doing what they do and you know, we'll we'll keep working and finding our own lane too. And uh you know, I know you're gonna keep doing that, Brandon as So, you know, as I before I let you go, man, you know, definitely let let our people know, let everybody know uh, where they can find you and uh you know what you got coming
1: up. Oh, for sure. I mean, Scoopy Radio uh, is definitely movement. Uh, subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, your app, iHeartMedia or iHeartRadio, uh, or simply by visiting ScoopyRadio.com. 3.5 million team Black here. Anybody from um, Lil Crawford, Boys Siri, uh, Mark Cuban, Anthony Morrow, a bunch of people, um, even Shaquille O'Neal. Um, but you can also follow me on Twitter at ScoopBee. Instagram at Snapchat at Scoop underscore B and you know follow uh, check out my work at basketball society as well as
0: heavy.com. You know, a lot of people know. If you don't know, if you're doubting or you're hating, you know, that's your issue, man, because you know, Scoop is going Scoop is here, man, and he he's not going nowhere. He's already one of the one of the brights, one of the bright spots on the national scene, and he's just gonna keep getting better. You know i just i just want to be alone for the ride with him man you know. you're already on the ride man going. <laughs> hey i, I just want to be in the pictures man just tag me along and you know I, I, i'll i'll uh, you know I'm, I'm just glad to see you keep doing what you're doing man and, you know it's been fun man we got to do this again soon and we will you know I look i'm looking forward to when you when you finally get to touch back down here for a couple of days or so, like you said, uh, coming up immediate uh, uh, th- with the polls, right? That's going to be next yep. time you're going to be in town? Probably,
1: probably, probably, yes, sir. It is,
0: yes, sir. whenever, when you do touch down, I, we gonna know, we gonna know, the city's going to know, because <laughs> you seem to take a whirlwind whenever you get. So, uh, yeah, man. it's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely, but in the meantime, you know, man. I wish you the best, and I hope you uh, hope you hope you take some time to enjoy your summer, man. And enjoy New York out there, man. And, and you know, like uh, you say, just just keep it keep it uh, keep it 100 as you always do. man. Yes, sir. That's it. All right, for sure. That's my man, Scoop B. Brandon Robinson, the great, and I'm the great as well, Kyle Means, man. You just know what it is? Biographicalradio.com war on anchor war beat we are, you know just follow us man follow us share us give us good ratings man show us love and show it right back and uh in the meantime keep it keep it player and keep it bouncing and uh we'll highlight you on the other side.